top this is the mountaintop of mount manitoba okay it's really the 19th floor but eh, eh, who's uh who's throwing stones here my name is kirk buckner and i am the co-owner main owner of not hall of fame.com the fictitious athlete hall of fame the fictitious rock and roll hall of fame and hopefully you you voted on that because we just announced uh the 2022 class so i and i know it's 2023 but you know because of covid right all the fictional people had trouble sort of like making the ceremony so we had to push it back don't believe me? Yeah, I didn't believe it either. But we also uh, also own the United States Athletic Hall of Fame. Vinny, my partner here, who I'm going to introduce shortly, is a big part of that. And we encourage you all to vote on that. www.notinhalloffame.com forward slash USA, where you can vote on the first ever United States Athletic Hall of Fame class, all completely democratic. And this is another episode of Vinny Makes the Hall of Fame Case for dot, dot, dot. But I'm going to introduce Vinny a little bit differently because it is now Vinny Laspinuso. Hall of Fame voter, not just for us, but for tell everyone. Well, guys, in case you're curious why I'm wearing a pirate's hat, it's because uh, last week I went, the other week ago, I went to Pittsburgh for three days and two nights because I was getting honored by the Western Pennsylvania Hall uh, for the pioneers of pro football, you know, the pre-NFLers that started in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And one of the slips they had that allowed you to be a voter for the, the the next election, the one afterwards. So I signed that, and now I'm a Hall of Fame voter. I'm a Not Hall of Fame that. voter for the. Mm -hmm. oh, sorry, go ahead. I'm a, I'm a Hall of Fame voter for the Western Pennsylvania Hall, which is the western part of Pennsylvania, obviously, mm -hmm. and the wider Pennsylvania Hall of Fame. So everything involved with Pennsylvania, in that side and everywhere else, I can now vote for. Yeah. How many Hall of Famers could say that before 25? Ah, my guy can. Well, uh, not only that, I probably would be the youngest person because one of the guys that actually runs the Western PA Hall, he came in as one of the young guys when he was like in his mid-60s. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, I'm, uh, I stand out a little bit, but I really, I have no problems about it because like I said, my age is just a number, but you know, don't go too crazy with that terminology. But still, and yeah, as you've it, seen throughout it, it, all it these, didn't work out too good for uh, that. Who who was that? Uh, Aaliyah with R. Kelly. Uh, anyway, yeah, uh, like I'll, that, or. But but also too, we are we are reaching people, uh, Vinny especially, uh, because the last time we did we recorded an episode, it was on Max Zlotsky, who. Um, not just myself and not just Vinny thinks should have been in the basketball hall of fame. Pretty much everyone who votes on the website, not in hall of fame.com. Uh, Cause he's one of the ranked people that you can vote on. And he's got one of the highest votes ever. Uh, somebody uh, close to the late great Mr. Zazowski saw what you did last week. Why don't you tell everyone about that? Cause I want, I want everyone to hear this. Yes. Yeah, so what happened was um, shortly after I did the show and I didn't check Facebook for like a week after he did this, um, his son, Jeff, 
who actually lives in Wonton, not too far from me, reached out to me. And I can I have the message right here. I can just say to you uh, verbatim what he said. Um, well, just, yeah, because because it's a pretty long one. So just because uh, you sent you forward that yeah. off to me, but he, he, uh, he said. He said, hey, Vinny, I just came across your YouTube tribute on March 17th. My name's Jeff Zavslovsky, and I, and on the YouTube video, I am very happy. And he, he said, thank you for me. And he meant he repeated the same records that I brought up, and he said, it's a damn shame. He is in, and I said to him, hey, Jeff, your father meant so much to the game, and I believe he should be inducted. And so we decided that sometime this week, we were looking to see if we could try to meet up in person. Yeah. And it really means a lot when I'm hearing, you know, things like that, that we're making, I don't know if we make a difference in those halls, but we certainly make a difference in people's lives in our own little way. Uh, and before we sort of like get to the main events, uh, we got to thank the fine people at that stamp. Now, Vinny was just, Vinny isn't just wearing a pirate's hat because he went to Pittsburgh, he went to a game. Now, I don't know if Vinny laid uh, some ducats on that, probably not, you're not a big gambler, but you like no. gambling, you respect gambling. And Absolutely. a lot of you who are probably watching this, because if you're watching this, you love sports. And if you love sports, then you can't watch a game without seeing something to gamble on. Or we're telling you how to do it. Uh, be it DraftKings, be it uh, Bet365, be it a big one here in Canada, Cool Bets. Uh, yeah, I'm a Canadian, who knew? Uh, but if you're going to make a wager, so let's say uh, prior to that game, Vinny thought, you know what? I'm Everything's coming up Millhouse. Everything coming up Billy. Vinny, but you know what I mean. Everything. I feel that my is that, presence... is that a Simpsons reference or a Richard was. Nixon reference? No, that, that was a Simpsons reference. Uh, yeah. Millhouse actually did that. Everything's coming up Millhouse. Uh, <laughs> so you might be thinking, hey, you know what? Since I'm here and I'm, this is a great weekend, everything good is happening for me, I think the Pirates are going to win. Vinny's going to make the best decision possible. He's going to go on BetStamp. BetStamp is something that you can download right now on, on, your, on your phone. Do it. And even if you don't gamble, just do it for us, huh? Help, help, help me out. I'm struggling, huh? Okay, Please. Problem, but just help, help me out. Vinny would Please do... go to BetStamp for, for yes. us. Do it for us. Not just for him, for all of us. But if you are a gambler, you need this anyway. Because if Vinny was going to make a wager on the Pirates, he was going to do the best thing that paid out the best. He's not going to go to all the sport books that he has. He's just going to go to the one app, type in what it is that he wants to bet on, and see who's giving the best odds. Or maybe even like a best odds per run. Or what's what's the best payout? And you can do that on BetStamp. And we've got a promo code for you. It's buck twenty five. I think I should have made it buck fifty. I realize that because I'm fifty. <laughs> but I went buck twenty five because officially it's under the buck stops here umbrella. B u c k twenty five. Do that now. Help us out. And with that, we're going to get to somebody. When Vinny pitched this, I said to him, or I didn't say to him, but I I, I sent a message a couple of days ago. I said, like, didn't we do this? Because it feels like we've done this. And I I'm really happy that we are doing it because it also segues perfectly for what you just did. Because when you're looking back at the old history of Pennsylvania, football is a huge part of that. And this man is a huge part of that. So uh, tell everyone, I, I think if they clicked on this, they know who it is. But tell everyone who we're doing today. Now, for everyone that knows me personally, you know I've mentioned him a lot. But surprisingly, despite the fact that I've mentioned him so many times, I've kind of pushed back on doing this for a while. And, you know, I finally get to do it today. Just a nice little segue into what I just did in Pittsburgh. Mm -hmm. Pudge William Walter Heffelfinger, better known as Pudge Heffelfinger. You know that name because I know him and everyone else that knows about him knows that on that fateful day in November of 
1892, he changed the game forever by becoming the first ever professional player. Mm-hmm. When uh, I was in Pittsburgh for oh, the Heinz History Center, they had an entire section for football. And they said the birthplace of pro football, take that can. And they had Hellfinger right there with his car, the one that's right behind me. And right next to that is a little display for Rowlier. And the pants that he actually wore were on display. Did you get into those pants? Sorry, I nope. I, I couldn't help it. Uh, uh, no, but I got a good look at them. Okay, there, there, there we go. Uh, 1892, so that was when he was he got his first pay, correct? Yes, but there's mm-hmm. way more in his story than just so, that. In order to wait. talk about... So let's go to who he was before that. Okay, now even though he's someone that historically for football, professional football, it's tied to Pennsylvania... His story is a bit more nationally and nationally broad than just that. He was born in Minneapolis, Minnesota, in 1867. Because that back then, Minneapolis was not the big city we know now. Back then, it was a rather small city. Um, his parents were from that same area of Pennsylvania. They moved there just before he was born. And the way that they got there was from the riverboats. And afterwards, they decided to join the Union. So after that was that happened, he, his father went to the Civil just, War. Just if I could, yeah. Okay, yeah, you meant Civil War. So in case people thinking the Union, no, Vinny means the Union Army, not necessarily the Union for a steel worker or something like that. So, so I just wanted to clarify that. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, and so what happened was he was in the Battle of Gettysburg, you know, very famous, one of the most famous battles in American history. And he was wounded. And as a result of his injury, he wasn't able to get deployed again. So, all right, I will I will go back to my home in Minneapolis, and I'm going to start a shoe manufacturing business. And, of course, shortly afterwards, the young William was born, nicknamed Pudge because of his stocky frame, who played both baseball and football. And... At the University of Minnesota, he was really, really good. But afterwards... But before you go there, did I read correctly, though, that he played at the University of Minnesota when he was still in high school? Because I guess you could do that back then. Yes, you okay. could. I just wanted to make sure I got that. Okay, I was right. On yeah, that. Okay. Very, very young. But after those days were over, the people at Yale for Walter Camp, they came over to Minneapolis and they saw the young Heffelfinger. And they saw how good he was as a halfback in, and just as a player in general in football. He said, I can make you a guard for us. I said, you can? Oh, yeah, I'll help you become the best in the nation. The best in the nation. Also, not only that, um, an- another one of his alumnus also told him about it. Because of the taxes in Minnesota, he said, hey, you know, the town's pretty good. You know, there's less taxes over in Connecticut. He said, okay. And that's what happened. Um, they spotted him, and they gave him a position on the line, and he was unbelievable. He was un- he was motivated. He had a different method. Weights on his frame, six foot three inches, 210. Like, you would, you would never think he's so demanding. But on the field, he was ruthless. 
he was he he, he was just amazing. William Corbin, the one that helped make him a guard. To be and, and also, I mean, like when we're talking about the dimensions that you just described, uh, for that time, that was Mammoth. Yeah, like that team that he um, joined, 18, 1888. Mm-hmm. You wonder how good that team was? How good was that team? They were not only undefeated as a team. This was Walter Camp's first ever season. It was the first ever season under Walter Camp. But they never allowed a single point at all. Three-time All-American, and a big part of that was was Mr. Helfelfinger. Helfelfinger. He is in the College Football Hall of Fame. He is an All-American. And yeah, he was exceptional in college. Like, mm-hmm. some people could just say, oh, he's just a guy. That's... No, no, no. He There's a reason why he was so sought after. He was unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable during his time in college. I think also, too, you and I sort of like uh, joke that some people think that football started at the dawn of the Super Bowl. Uh, I'm sure that there's a lot of people uh, who almost will say, well, it also started in 1920 uh, when the National Football League first came into existence. Obviously, that's certainly not the case. Uh, there were leagues before that, predominantly in the steel, like the Rust, what we call the Rust Belt areas now, uh, Pennsylvania and Ohio. Uh, what was his, how did he become? I mean, they, like there, there's an argument that somebody brought up against you once when, when you had this, where it just, well, somebody had to be first. Okay, sure. But somebody has to be first. But back then, if you're going to be first, and if you're going to put money out of your pocket, they're not doing that for the boss's kid. No. Like, I don't think people realize, like, how good Heffelfinger was. Heffelfinger, regardless of position, was viewed as the undisputed best player in the country. He wasn't Shani's Joe Schmo or Bench Warmer. He was literally the best player in the entire country. Period. What? Like, uh, he, so who signed him? Well, it was the it was the uh, Allegheny Athletic Association. Mm-hmm. Um, and they had a big rivalry with the Pittsburgh Athletic Club. They had a huge heated rivalry and were looking for an advantage for their upcoming game. Pittsburgh came to him and said, "Here, here's two hundred fifty dollars. By today's standards, that'd be over seven thousand." Um, but what happened was that Allegheny said, "Okay." I'll give you 500, which is would be today's dollars be over 15,000. Was that just for the game or is that as a con- on a contract basis? It was a bit of a contract for that year as well. Okay. Um it was the point game that they had it wasn't really talked about as much. Also because it wasn't really talked about a lot because he wasn't sure if he could it would be jeopardize the amateur status. On the day of the game, he he they doubled it. And so him and a couple of his teammates from the amateur team that he was on, the Chicago Athletic Association, played at Recreation Park. And right now that's marked by a historic marker. Oh, so send me a picture of that. I'm sure you must have that. Uh I wasn't there. We I, I didn't, there. I didn't oh, Okay, sorry. 
I didn't go to recreation park. Um, well, I'm sure you will I, at some point. I, I'm going to go back to Pittsburgh. Yeah. Um, no matter of if, it's no matter of when. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Allegheny won the game. It was four to nothing. Heffelfinger was the only, he scored a touchdown off of a fumble. And back then, you made four to nothing. Yes, a touchdown was worth four points at the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, lots changed mm-hmm. in football. Uh, certainly, uh, the brutality of that. If you want to actually see another great uh, show that Vinny did, that sort of and 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 if you haven't seen this and you're and if you're not aware of it, it's going to blow your mind. But why Vinny made a Hall of Fame case for the for former President Theodore Roosevelt? I did make a real case for that. Yeah, but you did, and sort of like based how on the request, like, made the game palatable let's just say oh yeah because back then it was not a blood it was much more it was it was way more violent back then um we're talking about this guy is like the toughest of the tough safe to say oh he was very tough you would never see it in his face but he was definitely like that and granted it may have been only one game for him mostly but his impact was way further what did he do after this game? Um, well, after that game, he decided to take on a head coaching job with the University of California, Berkeley. Mm-hmm. And, and afterwards, he became the one for Lehigh University in Bethlehem, Pencil, uh, P- Pennsylvania, and then went back to Minnesota where he coached the team there. I read, too, that I just – like I, I, a lot of this I, I learned before, mainly because you put me onto him, uh, God, I want to say two, three years ago. because I, I, I don't think I even heard that name before speaking with yourself i just learned today and i don't know if this is accurate or not that he also became part of a radio quiz show i heard something about that but i'm not entirely sure i gotta verify it okay yeah because from what i read again i don't know how accurate that is that uh like he basically sort of worked on behind the scenes on radio for just like football quiz like basic, it's it's almost like sports trivia. I don't know if that originated with him, but it would, but wouldn't it be sort of cool if it did? Well, you know, you mentioned sports trivia. When it comes to his time for football, he was still very much involved with it, even if he wasn't playing professionally, because he would continue to play or coach up until he was sixty-five years old. Mm. Yeah, you heard me. I said play until sixty-five years old. Hard-nosed professional, a hard-nosed football until he was 65. I understand there's more scrimmages, but he was still 65 years old and showing immense toughness. And would still probably kick most people's ass. But I guess he's just a just a manufacturing worker because, right, anyone can get a check, right? Anyone could do it, right? <laughs> anyone can. Now, um, oh, sorry, go ahead. But you know, there. But he also was more than that. He was a very philosophical man. He was a very intellectual man. He was one of the game's first ever historians, actually, too. He from 1935 to 1950, he had something that he, he called Heffelfinger's football facts. And every single year, he would post a new one that showed the history of the game for both professional and college, as well as the schedules of all the teams, the rules of every single one, how they're different. The statistics. So maybe like the that's where they got him on the radio. So they just probably use that. He might not have had anything to do with it. So somebody he might, might. have been hesitating what, what Hedge already did. 
Yeah, but like I said, he didn't ask for where his family was. Well, they're either in Minnesota or where he died in April 2nd, 1954 in Texas. That's right. Until he was 80 years old, he was publishing books. It's a legend. Uh, No, I I can see very much so. Uh, We're going to be doing a project later. Uh, Vinny's a big part of that, and I'm finally being able to sort of like do a lot more with that. Basically, what we're going to be looking at is the Pro Football Hall of Fame and reimagine it is if because we've said Vinny has said it I've said it that some of the issues that the Pro Football Hall of Fame has now in terms of a backlog is because they started so late uh 1963 doesn't seem late but if the game essentially came into the modern era that we know in 1920 that's already 43 years of history 37 years of people who would have been eligible we're going to be look we're putting together a voting body and if you're watching this then chances are you might want to be a part of that where we're going to be acting as if we're the hall of fame voters only doing it is it not from starting from 1963 but doing it from much earlier uh vinnie is going to be and as you can tell from this episode why he's going to be the one-man share of the scene of the seniors for everything can't wait for that it's gonna be pretty exciting and uh yeah i mean when it comes to Happelfinger as well with Brawlier, Thompson, Fallis, and really anyone that's pre-NFL, I would still say that as much as I do want them, and I think they're absolutely deserving of the hall, I still need convincing from the actual body itself because so far they haven't really showed me much of anything that they really care much about them, which is unfortunate because you're missing a big part of history right there. But honestly, no offense, it doesn't shock me. Um, but at the same time, I got them recognized in Western, in their own hall, in their area, which is something that I don't even think the family knew would even be possible, but I did it for them. And I, uh, Jack Teets, if you're watching this, um, thank you very much for making me have that opportunity to go over there in the first place. And also, uh, it was a blast Pittsburgh. I can't wait to go back. We're really proud of you. Uh, if you're watching this, then there's a lot, a lot of other things here we do in the Buckner-verse. Buckner is my last name. So, unfortunately, if you don't like me, I'm pretty much in every show. So, eh, what are you going to do? Uh, there's a show that I do called How the Hell Did Disco Number One? We're wrapping up that finally when we're looking at our disco extravaganza of every number one song from the Saturday Night Fever soundtrack. Check that oh, out. God. Oh, we God. Also, <laughs> oh, yes. Uh, we also have uh, This Crap Was on National Television, where we, I think that's coming up shortly, where we look at Small Wonder and the pilot of that show, an awful, very creepy show from the mid-1980s. Uh, we have the weekly show, well, weekly Hall of Fame show with my partner, Evan Nolan. We do a whole lot of things there. Uh, this week, uh, I imagine we'll be, well, not imagine, I know we are, we're going to be looking at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame class of 2023. And I will probably be whining about how that institution, as important as it is, is incompetent. But anyway, that's just me venting. Why Why that just be you? I think that opinion you share with a lot of people. Well, I had a little bit of hope when they when Jan Winter sort of stepped away, and it's it's just as the transparency and lack thereof, and the corruption hasn't changed a whole hell of a lot. Times change, people. Times change, but people never do. And I guess neither do inanimate institutions. So, <laughs> with that, wherever you are, wherever you may be, stay safe, everyone. Take care.